starting in verse 17 and then going all the way through verse 1 of chapter 4. Um, anyways, uh, follow along in, in God's word. Brothers, join in imitating me uh, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body uh, to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. And God, we ask your blessing on your word. I pray that it would uh, help us along today. God, we struggle with many things. Even here in this room, there are many different struggles that we have. And yet, you have given us your word for our encouragement, our instruction really food for us as we um, make this day uh, and we live this day uh, best we can. God, we, uh, we need your help. Um, God, we, this is not just uh, about our smarts, but it's about you transforming our lives. And so we ask for your help in this time. We also thank you that you're a God who has spoken to us. Uh, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This morning we are uh, going to look at some motivations, really in the end, to stand firm, to keep going. Um, I don't know how you roll into church today, whether you're tired. Um, so I'm not just saying you stayed up too late watching TV last night. I'm saying you're maybe tired of some things in your life. Maybe... Uh, it's health problems. I know there are some here today who struggle with health problems and uh, they nag at you and they remind you. Uh, maybe you woke up this morning and even before you got out of bed, you felt something wrong. Um, and maybe that's something that dogs your feet today. Uh, maybe it's some kind of sin too. Uh, many times uh, we struggle with sin and the things that come up over and over again and we feel like uh, we've just been too weak to be different. Uh, maybe for you this morning, it's some kind of relationship that you have that you just can't seem to fix. Uh, you've talked about it and talked about it. You've tried, uh, but you just can't seem to fix that relationship. Many reasons to be tired. Uh, and this morning, we're looking for some motivation uh, to continue walking with God. And so hopefully this morning, this will be an encouragement to you. As I shared last week, we looked at this idea of imitation, and I want to encourage you about that again. Are you, are you imitating somebody? Is there someone you're looking to uh, that is farther down the road, that walks with Christ, that you're uh, using as a model or mentor for life? If, if you're not, chances are you're floating around with your best ideas, and your best ideas aren't that good. <laughs> it may be the best you can come up with, but... They're insufficient. Uh, they will cause you to fail. And so uh, for us to know 
models that we chase after uh, that walk with Christ is, is critical. Uh, last week, we looked at a, a group of people that are not worthy to be models. And we ended up in verse 19, it described the last thing about them was they had minds set on earthly things. And the idea of minds set on earthly things is that they're fixated on them. They're stuck on them. They're, they're the things that they are the keys to their life. It gets them up in the morning, these earthly things. It causes them to worry. It causes them to, to stare at and to dwell upon. And really, the idea of these earthly things is worship. They worship them. Now, the problem with worshiping earthly things, uh, it's not that all earthly things are bad and uh, they're not fun and they're not even enjoyable, but they're not worth it. They don't last. And so as we are fixated and follow people that are fixated on earthly things, uh, we will have a life that is truly worthless. And in the end, uh, when it comes for us to die or the Lord returning, it will be a huge loss for us uh, because we have dwelled upon these things that aren't worth it. Now he turns the page, if you will, in verse 20 and says, if you're not to stare at that, if you're not to think in terms like that, verse 20 says this, but our citizenship is in heaven. And this is getting to the motivation that we need uh, to walk with the Lord. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven. That word citizenship, uh, most translations of the Bible translate that word citizenship. I think the King James was the ones I checked was one of the few ones that translated something else. The reason it's difficult to translate that word is because it's really the only time it's used in the scripture. And so you can't, can't really compare it to other things and it's a struggle to define. Um, that word citizenship, they really believe that it's maybe a more intimate word than that. Uh, some have translated it, a commentator said maybe a better word would be commonwealth. But, but the idea being that of community, the place where I feel at home, the place where I belong, the place where I find value and I want to be great. I want to be connected. He said, this is the place for him. Like as he says, talks about the Philippian church, he says, but our citizenship or our commonwealth, the place where we belong, our home, if you will, is heaven. It's heaven. Um, Really, that, that idea, the place that matters to me is heaven. The place on how it runs and what they're doing and how uh, it's organized, the place that matters is what? It's heaven. It's the place where I feel like I am at home. The idea of citizenship or town or community or colony was a big deal in Philippi. In fact, um, they were, it was young. It was one of those things. If you studied history and the Roman Empire, what did the Roman Empire do? Just kept grabbing more places, right? They kept conquering and grabbing more towns and cities and colonies and some they would make their own. And Philippi was one of those. And, and what they did in that colony was, uh, in fact, uh, we talked about it weeks prior, uh, 
they even gave some of their military, retired military guys, uh, a plot of land there. And they wanted them to settle as Roman citizens. And some have suggested that uh, the Philippi, the area, the city, uh, was probably 40% Roman citizens and then 60% Greeks or uh, different foreign people that were living in Philippi. Um, I just want to encourage you not to think politically of today, right? I don't want you to think I saw something on Fox News about immigrants and stuff like that. Um, there are some overlaps, but it's not concerning for us this morning, okay? Uh, when you think about this, it's 40% Roman citizens, and they have all the benefits of being a Roman citizen. In fact, Paul, part of him being in prison was the fact that he was a Roman citizen, that they couldn't treat him a certain way because of his citizenship. If he didn't have that, who cares? Uh, it was kind of up for grabs after that. In fact, in Philippi, those who were wealthy and prosperous and those who had uh, rights, they were Roman citizens. And the rest kind of were poor and had to fend for themselves for the most part. And so as they heard that word, whatever that word best translated, citizenship or belonging or community, that idea that this was the place that they felt comfortable, they would have known. So you, you picture them. Maybe there's a slave and they're in the church at Philippi and uh, they, say, they say this word, but our citizenship or our belonging or our community is in heaven. They would have said, well, that's good to hear because I'm pretty poor and my life is hard here in Philippi. Hard. But there might have been one of those people that had been granted some land and had wealth and had Roman citizenship. And they go, uh, they introduce, hi, I'm so-and-so. I'm a Roman citizen. And they go, oh, Roman citizen from Philippi. Oh, you must have been one of them. Oh, okay. They would have heard that and they would have said, that identifying piece, that thing that's most important is not being part of Philippi, a Roman citizen in Philippi. I'm clinging to that, but my citizenship or my community is in heaven. I want to tell you that is a transforming thought. It's a transforming thought. Let me take it a step further. Um, I'm not this great world traveler. I've traveled just a little bit, and you know, I've lived my whole life in California and traveled to different states in our country. I've gone to the East Coast. Um, and then I came back to the best coast. Uh, um, but uh, I, I've traveled. I've seen places. They're nice and everything. I, I, I've traveled a little bit down in Mexico with our youth. And um, I got to go over to Europe, Austria, and Germany. And I got to spend some time in Russia uh, when I was in college. And I remember... Being in Russia, and forgive me if there's any uh, people who love Russia and they're Russian, and, um, but there are so many dumb things about being in Russia. And I say that as an American. I say that as an American. I, I, I say that abruptly as an American. And so I remember we'd go and we'd be in the cities and we were in different cities and we had a translator and we, I'd look at things and I'd just go, I just don't get it. Why do they do it that way? And I'd ask our translator and they'd try to explain. And I remember one particular thing I asked and I asked our translator and, and he just said, oh, because we're Russian. And I said, well, that doesn't say much about being Russian. You know, I'm mumbling. 
That's the way you do things? And you know what I thought? I thought, well, I don't care. I'm not from here. I'm just, I'm just passing through. I know there's three, four more days to my trip, and I'm, I'm heading back to the West Coast. I'm not stuck here. I don't have to fix these problems. I don't, I don't even have to understand them. This isn't my place. This same thought, I, I really believe, is what Paul's trying to communicate to this church at Philippi. The Philippi is not your home. It's not about getting ahead in Philippi or whether you've gotten ahead and you're a Roman citizen and this and that and you have all these benefits. He's giving them a new identification and a new place of belonging and a new place of community and a new thought that this is what makes life matter. And what is it? It's heaven. It's heaven. And he takes their temporary home and he places it next to their eternal home. Heaven. Hey, you think even of Paul in 2 Corinthians, he referred to our body, this place and time, as a tent, as a tent. And uh, how many of you like camping? You must not like it that much because you slept in your own bed last night. You know? Camping's so great, you can go sleep on the floor and, you know, you can bring a bunch of junk, buy a bunch of junk, bring it, and it still doesn't, isn't that great, you know, and then you come home and you get to put it all away and clean it and stuff like that, and then you say, oh, it's so good to sleep in my own bed. You know why? Because sleeping in a tent's not that great. It's not that great. It's fine for now. Like, it's fine for a day or a time or a place. But this idea that this would be the permanent thing, uh, Paul knew that. And as he points to right now, our citizenship, our place, what does he say? Heaven's that place. I I think of uh, Peter as well. First Peter, as he identifies, the beginning of the book of First Peter, he talks about these different cities and places, and he says all these people, and he identifies them as strangers, aliens, sojourners, people who are on a journey, right? And what he's saying there is we're just passing through. We're just passing through. It's not something where you live. It's not something that you identify. It's not something you're stuck there. In fact, the place that you identify with is not here, but heaven. But heaven. Um, it's interesting. Uh, today, uh, this day and age right now, we're, we're more in touch with our feelings than ever before. Some of you, even as I say your feelings, you say, oh, I've got a feeling you want me to share? <laughs> No. Uh, um, <laughs> feelings, feelings. And, and, and we sense things. We sense things. We go, oh, that person makes me feel uncomfortable. Uh, some of you, as I talked about school, some of you were thinking of school and you were, you were feeling something and you go, I wonder, you know, and kids today, they always say awkward. Everything's awkward. And, and what we say when, when we feel out of place or we're feeling something or awkward, what we're saying is, I thought, I thought that this would be my place of comfort and everyone would like me and I would feel like this is a safe place for me. And then it wasn't. And then it wasn't. 
I want to tell you, if you can get this concept in verse 20, it could transform your life. Our community, our home, our place, our spot, our citizenship is where? It's in heaven. That feeling as I was traveling uh, in Russia and I'd see things and I, I felt like they were dumb inside. I didn't like the way they were. I didn't feel like I had to change them. Why? I didn't feel like they were even worthy of my time. Why? I'm just passing through. This isn't my home. This isn't, uh, I have something better. I have something better. Our citizenship is in heaven. And I want to tell you, this is a, a, an incredible fact, fact that can motivate you and, and help you think through your day today. Our citizenship is in heaven, which means that the place I am now is temporary. The place I am now, I'm just passing through. The place that, I'm, is all around me is not my identification. My identification is in heaven. He goes on to, to speak of the hope of heaven, of what comes next that also motivates us. In chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 19, he says, uh, I'm sorry, verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it, from heaven, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We await a Savior. And the, the idea of that word of waiting, it's not just like in a doctor's office. Oh, I'm just killing time here. Or at the DMV. Oh, man, why do I got to be here? But the idea is eager expectation, eager awaiting. Uh, you know, you have a, a count, countdown. Some of you have that on your phone for a, a big date, your birthday, a wedding or something. It's, just, it's this many days. It's this many days. I'm so excited. Or maybe it's someone's going to come visit you and you're preparing and you're watching and you're looking out the windows and you're going, are they here yet? Oh yeah, I got to go do something. No, Oh no, that's not them. And you're super excited. You're super excited. Um, that excitement uh, goes to this. Now, let me back up a little bit on the heaven thing. Heaven, excitement of the Savior coming. Um, many times, uh, you've probably traveled and gone to a place and you were jealous. You're jealous. You went to some place that was extremely beautiful. Uh, I always think it's funny because most of the time when you go to a place that it's extremely beautiful, especially you, you folks from California who live on the edge of the desert and stuff like that. You go to places and you say, I remember going, uh, driving through upstate New York during the summertime and I just go, this place is so beautiful. This is amazing. You just say how green it is. There's just huge creeks and piles of water and like everywhere. It's just so beautiful. And it never dawns on you that that same place in January, like, piles and piles and piles of snow and frigid conditions so that it would be beautiful in August, right? Uh, there's a jealousy sometimes. And maybe some of you, you go to a place and you drive through and you go, man, wouldn't it be great to live here? And you grab those little real estate magazines and you say, oh, wouldn't it be great? Maybe, maybe. And you, oh, I got to go home. I got to go home. I don't like my home. I want to be in a different place. I want to tell you, 
couple of things about this. The reason, the reason this idea of our home, our citizenship being in heaven being a good thing is that it's better than down here. It's better. It's not even close. Okay? And now he says, now he says, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, from heaven, is Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, uh, if, if we don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, maybe that's why we're not excited about it. But what does it say about him? And it, maybe this is awkward uh, wording for us, and maybe it seems redundant, but he says in verse 20, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me talk to you about that word Savior. That word Savior is pointing to that sinners need salvation. Let me talk to you. If you've come to know Christ today, uh, think about the time and the place or, or that moment or what God's done in your life. You were a sinner lost in your sin, stuck in your sin, uh, condemned in your sin, and then Christ entered your life. What happened right after that? Did all your sins go away? The, the selfishness and pride and perversion and maybe you're addicted to something. That when you came to know Christ, did the next day, did it all go away? No, it didn't. In fact, some of you are struggling with that right now, right? You've come to know Christ and you're still struggling with sin. Join the club. But what, what I want to point out to you, and this is so great if you think about this, that we still struggle in the flesh. And when I say the flesh, I'm not just talking about our body, but our body is the thing that is weak. It's the thing that's falling apart. I, I alluded to that earlier with your health problems, but it's not just health problems, right? It's your insecurities. It's your, your selfishness that cries out to be first and the, the ugliness that plays in relationship to one another, to husband and wife and in your family and your pride and, and all those things. And, and you say, I really don't like those parts of my life. When are they all going to go away? I want to tell you, I'll tell you when they're going to go all away is when the Savior comes from heaven. It's going to all be taken care of. And so the struggle of this life with your sins and with your body falling apart and all that stuff, that, for the believer, is waiting for that day when the Savior comes from heaven. That's exciting, and that's why we eagerly await it, right? When uh, you struggle with sin, it should trigger in your mind, I, I gotta get out of here. I eagerly await the Savior, when, when your, your body uh, pops and cracks and, you know, it doesn't feel so good and you say, you know, I need to fix this. I need to somehow figure out how everything can be okay. It's not going to be down here. It's going to be when the Savior comes and he takes you uh, to that place of citizen, of community, of the place where you belong. Heaven. And so that's why we eagerly await a Savior. And even as we have sung this morning, there's only one Savior. There's only one Savior. His name is Jesus. And there's a huge identification, uh, a stark identi 
identification in verse 20, where he says, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one. He's the only one. You say, no, he's not. He's not the only one. You're right. There are others. They just leave you empty. You see, that's the thing that happens with that other group of people, right? That other group that you could follow after their model. What what do they do? Uh, Look look up at verse 19. What, What identifies them? Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. Their glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. The problem with earthly things is they leave you wanting. In the end, when it's all over, there won't be this sense of satisfaction and help and fulfillment. For us fleshly people, there won't be a hope in that. And so that's why it's so important for us to follow after not earthly people, but heavenly people. Those who have their minds fixed on heaven. Those who have their citizenship or their belonging in heaven. Why? Because those are Christ followers. Those are people who are also saved and needing to be saved from their sins. And those are the people that in the end will not feel ripped off, but will feel the riches of heaven that were granted to them in Jesus Christ. And so that's our hope that motivates us. That's our hope that motivates us. So we, we get fixed. The fact is what? That heaven's our home, our citizenship's in heaven. And that hope that motivates us is what? That Christ will come one day. The Savior will come. And, and we eagerly await that. He goes on to say in verse 21, what, what are the happenings or what are the things that are going to happen uh, that are so exciting? The happenings of home, okay? What are they? It says in verse 21, who will, Jesus being, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. Whoa. What does that even mean? You have pictures and transfiguration where Christ's body was glorified and we we really don't get a, a total understanding of what that is. But this is what I know. You have the lowly body and his glorious body. Well, we don't know really about the glorious body. That's hard to put our our finger on. What do you know about the lowly body? That's the one you've been living in, right? That's the one you're carrying around right now. That's your mind, heart, body, flesh, bones. that's, That's this. Tell me about your lowly body. Man, it's weak. It's weak. And it falls apart. And even even in our minds, we struggle to comprehend and we have insecurities and weaknesses that just come up over and over and over again. And what will be these happenings that come with Christ to come, Him coming, returning for us? What will it be? That He will take the weak, damaged, falling apart body that we have and He will transform that into one like his very own. What an amazing thing. How hard is that to comprehend? And you say, well, I want to understand everything about it. Great, I'm glad you want to. I'm glad you want to, but know this. 
that this is what Christ has saved us for. This is where this is going for us. This is the direction. And this is why it should excite us and thrill us, both the return of the Lord and the fact that we are citizens of heaven. Sounds like a lot. You know, you think about all the problems. Some of us brag about how, what a mess we are. They, they talk to you, as you're, if you're a pastor, they go, Pastor, you've never met anyone like me. You, you, you can't imagine how many problems I have. And, and as you recount them, you think that you're so far gone or you, you're so uh, far away that there's no way. And, and you even brag about that in regards to God's power in some way that, oh, God couldn't save me or God can't fix me. I want to tell you, the power that he's going to use, if you look in verse 21, what is the power that he is going to do this transformation? How is he going to do it? By the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. And, and, and this is the, the picture I want you to get here this morning. So he brings into focus, he brings into focus your needing of a savior that you eagerly await. For, like that's your relationship that he would save you from your sin but now he says he's going to transform your body your body and how's he going to do it well with that same power that he takes in everything everything that God has not as you look to the book of Revelation and you see his plan working working out and that Christ is enough to uh, reign over all the power that it takes to reign in over all, the power that it takes to work out the plan of the Father, he will take something as simple to him, but uh, enormous to us to transform our lowly body into one like his own. As some would say, light work, light work, easy stuff, right? God looks upon us and he says, it's dramatic for you, but my power is enough to take your life, your mess, your falling apart and transform it to be like Jesus' body. What an amazing thing. His uh, resurrected body, his transformed body. Exciting stuff. This is what's gonna happen which brings us to chapter 4, verse 1. Chapter 4, verse 1. Um, and this is really, so, so what are we supposed to be doing? Chapter 4, verse 1 is what we're supposed to be doing. Um, why, does, why does this connect? Well, the therefore is the reason it connects. Um, the numbers and chapter breaks were put in, they're not inspired um, they should have had that in chapter 3. I hate to say, sound like I'm smarter than anybody else, but they should have. People who did it are long gone and they know better now. Um, but um, chapter 4, verse 1, it connects and it's like a conclusion. When you see that word, therefore, you realize that it encompasses the argument. It, it's the conclusion. He says, therefore, my brothers, whom I, I love and long for. Remember, Paul's writing to the church at Philippi, and he's expressing his love for them, not just 
that they gave him a gift, but their partnership in the gospel and how he's thrilled with them and how he even sees his work come to fruition, his joy and crown, he says. But this is, listen to what he says. He says, stand firm, stand firm. A couple of weeks back, maybe three or four weeks back now, in chapter three, we heard another marching order. I don't know if you remember what it was. Two words, press on, press on. And it is different, right? But it's kind of military type terms, right? Press on, yes, sir. Uh, you get that marching orders. This is what we're supposed to do. It was press on to Christ, press on to him, to know him, to understand him, to walk with him, to be intimate with him. Press on. And now what does he say? Stand firm. Stand firm. I think those are great for us to hold on to. Press on and stand firm. They're different though, right? Stand firm means stay where you are. Stay where you are. Stay on your spot. Maintain your position. Uh, if you can picture it in military terms, uh, the general said, take that hill. And, you know, the hill's been taken. What do you want us to do now? Stand firm. Right there. Hold the position. And as you think about this spiritually, it's super important for us to remember, right? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, what are you supposed to be doing? Hold your position. Stand firm. By the way, why, why would we not stand firm? What would happen in our lives and hearts that would cause us to not stay our position? Well, persecution, laziness. Uh, through the years, losing focus of what we have, right? This idea of wandering off our position or being knocked off our position or being tempted off our position. Stand firm. Now, I want to go back to the surprise box. I left our guy up there right there, right? Some of you say, when I say stand firm, you go, oh yeah, got it. Be tough. And you should be tough. I, I think the toughness is one of the things lacking in the church today. You know, I just can't do this. I just can't do that. Somebody said something mean to me. Somebody looked at me wrong. A kid bumped me in the hallway. Um, you know, I'm not going to go to church anymore. I'm not going to walk with the Lord. It's just too discouraging. You know, everything didn't turn out my way. No. Stand firm with all that you have. Stand firm. But, but I want to tell you, that's not enough. That's not enough. And this isn't a passage that calls you to be tough. Look at it. L look at the passage, verse 1 of chapter 4. It says, stand firm in all the strength that you have. No, it doesn't. Look at your Bible. Stand firm thus in the Lord. In the Lord. Your power will run out. Won't be enough. The strongest of people here, the, the best, uh, you come from a strong family and stubborn and you can do this and you can, you know, you, you've been through this and you've been through that and certainly I can get, no, you won't be enough. You can't stand firm. 
you will fall. But stand firm in the Lord. You'll have all the resources that you, you need. You'll be able to handle anything. Persecution, poverty, temptations. You, you'll be able to handle it all. Why? Because God will be enough for you. God will be enough for you. I have three questions for us this morning as we end that hopefully will define where we're at and help us sort through how to apply this to our lives. The first question is this. Which home identifies you? Which home identifies you? And what I mean by that is this. I've talked to people, and maybe there's some here this morning. um, They, by family situation or by history or whatever, they would say, I'm a dual citizen. I'm a dual citizen. And what countries? And they'd say, well, the United States and whatever that other country is. And to which I almost always ask them this question. Which one matters most? Which one matters most to you? If you had to give up one, which one would it be? I want to tell you, you may feel like a dual citizen here this morning. You say, well, my home is in heaven, but I'm also a citizen of the United States. I'm a part of the great state of California. I live in Kern County and Tehachapi and Bear Valley Springs. This is my home. Well, heaven's really my home. I'm kind of a dual citizen. I want to tell you, uh, if you think that way, I want to know which home identifies you. Which is the one that you think, ah, this is what shapes who I am. This is how I think. Is it heaven or is it this place? Which home identifies you? Secondly, what value do you place on the coming of the Lord for you? What value do you place? Sometimes we talk in just crazy terms when it talks about the coming of the Lord. Some of you, you say, well, you know, I know the Lord's coming. I, I know he's coming for me. I know I have a relationship, but I hope he doesn't come today. <laughs> Why? What could be so important that, oh, I just got a lot of things to do and I, I always like to leave things in order. I want to tell you, it's not going to be in order. Uh, the, what value do you place on the Lord's coming? I, I was talking to some folks in the first service and uh, we were talking about um, a particular person in our church that struggling with cancer and they're, str- they're, they're struggling and uh, we were saying, you know, uh, sometimes... The struggle of health problems God uses to prepare us for heaven. The idea that, oh, we just got so many things you know, to do, and I, I love fall, and I, I love this, I love the changing seasons, I have my house, I love my house, I, I love my car, I love all these things. And you say, I hope the Lord doesn't come back because it's just so much fun right now. I want to tell you that we should be able to connect. Even the best things of this life will, will pale in comparison to what we have in heaven. And the conclusion of Christ's work in us, that he would be the one to come and, and place those things that we've struggled with and save those for, forever to put those to rest. Um, we should be excited about that. And lastly, I just ask you this, is all that... Christ is worth it to you. Is all that you have in Christ, that Christ is, that he is the one, is that worth it to you? You know, the idea of standing firm is going to be tough. It's not going to be a cakewalk. It's not going to be this this thing where we feel 
uh, hey, everything's going my way. No, standing firm means that you have to withstand the battles and trust in the Lord and this uncomfortable like feeling. But is it worth it to you? Do you understand the exceeding worth of Christ? Because if we do, uh, we'll be more excited to stand firm for him, knowing that he's worth it. He's worth it. And all that I have in him is worth it to me. Please join with me in prayer. God, thank you for your word. Um, God, I realize that I'm an inadequate vessel to share it. God, I realize that our ears sometimes get confused by the things of this world. and we, Life's just complicated and we struggle, but this morning, Lord, as we heard your word, I pray that it would remind us over and over again of our identity, our home, our community, the place where we belong is in heaven. And that we might be excited about what is to come, that the Savior would come, and that when he comes, that he will take this body that is lowly, common, and falling apart. And that transformation will happen and that we will have all the, all the riches of heaven forever. God, help us to stand firm. I think of the struggles of this week to, that are to come. Help us to stand firm. Help us to, to not give up the position that you have granted us in your son Jesus. God, we will trust in you. We need to trust in you because our strength will run out. But thank you for this time. Remind us of it, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.